Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Break the Cycle. With me, your host, Joshua Smith. Hope everyone's having a wonderful Tuesday. Is it Tuesday? God, I, I lose track of the days all the time. I know I'm always always trying to say, like, I hope you guys are having a good whatever day of the week it is, and uh, I always have to think about it. That's sad. That's really sad. Uh, but anyways, we got a great show for you guys tonight. I'm super stoked, but let's start off with some sponsors. Of course, we have TopLobster.com, the man, the myth, the legend, my good friend and partner on Break the Cycle, where you can get all kinds of wonderful hand-drawn graphic design, tees, hoodies, hats. Uh, I think he's got, like, coffee mugs, backpacks, all kinds of cool shit there, hundreds of designs. Uh, all of your favorite shows are pretty much on, on toplops.com too. He does a lot of really uh, cool work for a bunch of shows, including mine, uh, so you can get all the Break the Cycle stuff there too. You can use BTC at checkout for a 10% discount, or you can join the Patreon, subscribe, star, or become a member of the YouTube channel under any of my videos uh, by hitting the join link and get into a private Discord server where you can get up to uh, 30% off of all new gear up to two weeks before it goes out to the general public. Really good stuff. Really worth it, man. I'm telling you. Check them out. Top Lops is the man. Uh, if you watched the show last night, we're going to we're gonna kind of make it a more regular thing, having uh, episodes with, with just me and Top. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I love that guy to death. Uh, go support him. He's also got a new Patreon out. Uh, you can check Top Lops on Patreon. He's got some really cool uh, uh, gifts for you there, like mobile phone backgrounds and and uh you can get your own portrait drawn you get like fat discounts by joining his his patreon and stuff too so good stuff and of course executive producers of the show anthemplanning.com for all your emergency and crisis planning needs check them out today see what they can do for your business home or personal life they're doing a wonderful job that the government has historically sucked at much cheaper and much more efficiently uh seriously if you have a business go check them out go to anthemplanning.com unfortunately I guess I've been putting it in my YouTube videos as anthemplanning.org. I don't know why I've been doing that. Uh, hopefully, you guys just follow it by voice. If not, I'm going through and changing them all in all the YouTube videos. But uh, they're amazing. Amazing people. Uh, wonderful. Go check them out. See what they can do for you. Guys, we've got a great uh, uh, show for you today. Uh, I've been a fan of this guy for a long time. Been following him on Twitter. Uh, you know, we've we've had our arguments, but uh, for the most part, he's he's typically spot on. He's got a new book out called Anti Politics, and uh, he is, as some would call him, the meme thief. But I think he makes some memes too. He is uh, Mr. Sal the Aggressor. How are you doing tonight? What's up, buddy? Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course, dude. I'm stoked to have you, man. It's it's funny because uh, you're not actually Mac Dre. Um, I know people are always disappointed when they don't see like a black dude with a big afro. <laughs> That's like the opposite of an afro, actually. Yeah, it's like it's the anti-afro, and it's it's funny because I uh, <laughs> yes. I uh, you know I'm a big Mac Dre fan. I grew up in the Bay Area, of course. We all no shit. Yeah, anybody okay. who listens to hip hop, a man of class. Yeah, absolutely, dude. I'm a big fan of uh, the Vallejo and and the hyphy movement and shit. Like, I mean, it was you know it was a big part of my early to mid twenties at least. And uh, nice. Yeah. So so every time I see that that picture, I'm like, God, he's he's not really Mac Dre. I got to remember that. Most people have no idea who he is. Oh, of course not. Of course, which not. is a shame, you know. Yeah, you got to know Mac Dre, man. It, That's right forever. Yeah, if you're from the Bay Area and you're a hip hop fan of any type, you know who Mac Dre is. But outside of that, yeah, it gets a little, it gets a little wishy washy. I mean, I'm from New York and I know who he is. So yeah, and nobody uh, has any excuses. I, hey, I love, I love New York hip hop too, man. I just had uh, uh, R.A. the Rugged Man on the show. That was sick, dude. That was so much fun. Holy shit, you had him on the show? Yeah, I just did a show with him on. Uh, I want to say it was last Monday. So oh, I gotta check that out. He's yeah. the man. Yeah, he's great, dude. He lives in Germany, so I had to like record it earlier. I couldn't do it live like we typically what? do. But... He's in Germany. Yeah, he like lives in Germany with his wife and his kids and shit. He's grown more libertarian by the day. I've noticed that because I follow him on like Facebook. Oh yeah, dude, he's totally anarchist, bro. Like he's 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 hates the government, and you know he he got a lot of his. Uh... 
a lot of his inspiration for politics came from his dad going to Vietnam, yeah. and, like getting sick from Agent Orange and shit. And so he, he yeah, yeah, very distrusting of the government. And um, I don't blame him. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, man. But let's talk about you, dude. What What's your story? How did you uh, How did you become an agorist, man? What was the What was the journey that got you to to uh, you know the the ideas of Konkin? Um, I don't know. It's it's a long road, really. I mean, I guess I started out. I was. I've always been like a sort of. Um, small government, constitutional conservative type of dude. And then, uh, you know, I realized when Ron Paul was running that the rest of these people on the debate stage, I remember watching one of the debates and thinking, all these people are lunatics. The only one making any sense is the guy who I'm supposed to think is crazy. So let me let me look into this guy a little bit. And that's where I found um, some of the people on his staff, like Walter Block and Peter Schiff and Tom Woods. And I started like YouTubing and Googling these guys. And that was sort of my journey down the rabbit hole. And then um, I went to Porkfest in like 2015, 2014. And everybody there was actually using these principles rather than just talking about them. They were actually using them in practice. People were trading goods and services for silver coins and cryptocurrencies. And they were that, you know, this is where I learned how to 3D print guns. And there was all sorts of stuff going on there. And I was like, that's it. I'm sold. I, that's when I realized that the answer wasn't just theory. It was actually action. And um, I started to dive into Konkin and, uh, you know, here I am. Eventually I developed the following on social media and I thought, well, I might as well promote the version of libertarianism that I agree with. So that's how Sally, Sally Agoras came to be. Sure, sure. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm, a, I'm also a big fan of, of agorism. Uh, and for people that are watching this that don't know, uh, you know, it's basically counter economics. It's it's opting out of the system. It's trying to do everything, uh, circumventing uh, authority in the federal government. I mean, that's that's essentially the basis of uh, agorism, and it, it's great. I mean, I, I you know, I I would do a lot more of it if I thought I could get away with it. Trust me, I would. You know, it it, was, it gets a little hard when you got seven kids, man. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah, no, for sure. One of the things I tell people is that you know risk is sort of you know relative to the individual. Someone who's you know seventeen years old and you know has no responsibilities can take on a hell of a lot more risk than someone who's like forty with like a big family and like they got a house and a mortgage and stuff. So, yeah, I totally get that. Yeah, absolutely. I've been looking into it. I had uh, uh, Dan Bierman, the the taxationist theft guy, on my show, and he was given pointers on how to evade taxes and i was so i was like i've been looking into that because i'm like hey the less taxes i can pay the better you know i try to tell people minimize your taxes because if you say evade then they'll actually come get you right so i tell people minimize your tax burden yeah well and i have by having uh you know eight dependents so yeah there you go that's one way to do it that's one way to do it you know if you're gonna if you're gonna do it you know go 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 hard man go all the way but uh yeah so so you got a low time preference yeah yeah no shit (laughs) Uh, i got no time for nothing uh so so you you got it you got a new book out man you put out a book anti-politics can you tell us a little bit about that man yeah there it is yeah so this is um sort of my response to the mises caucus i guess when they decided to to write that when they blocked me on twitter and i thought to myself i have to I have to reach these keys somehow or another. So I wrote I wrote the book, um, or I just assembled it, really. I didn't write it. I, some of these essays are mine, but it's just a collection of essays from left anarchists, agorist thinkers, just people in general. Not They're not even all libertarian, necessarily. And they, it's all making the case against, um, against political action, but it's also making the case for anti-political action, um, it's divided into four sections, the book. So the first section is to give people an idea of what anti-politics is. 
The second section is to give people an idea of what anti-politics is not. And then the, the other two sections are anti-politics in theory and then anti-politics in practice. And I think the fourth section is really my favorite because that is where we're actually going through examples of, of when counter-economics has been successful in practice, which is something that I don't think any other faction of the movement could have written, right? I don't, I don't think that they, um, only an agorist, only agorism can, can come up with a list of successful examples of when your theory has been, been put into practice. No other anarchist theory or libertarian theory has ever successfully been put into practice before. So that's probably the part that I'm most proud of. But the book's done well. I've gotten a pretty good reception from it. I don't know if it's converted anybody, but I, I hope it has. True. So that's and that's always the goal, right? I mean, and and so yeah. So obviously, when we first decided to do the show, the reason why was we were we were kind of going a little bit back and forth on on Twitter uh, about the Mises Caucus. Obviously, I was one of the original members of the Mises Caucus. I was uh, one of the people that helped put them on the map. I traveled around to forty states and and spoke in front of you know hundreds or thousands and thousands of people. I got the keynote behind Ron Paul at a, in a ballroom in in Omaha, Nebraska. Nice. And then last year, Ron Paul endorsed me for chair of the National Libertarian Party, which was. I mean, like a dream come true for me. So I, I really did a lot for 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 the Mises Caucus. You know, I may not be super politically active today because I, I I got burnt out on the shit. Obviously, I get I talk a lot about on the show about being getting pretty black pilled. Uh, you know, I I I still want to use any means possible to roll back the state, uh, but sometimes I I feel like politics is is. Uh, it's a hard, it's a hard sell. It's a hard go of things. So I see both sides of the argument. Um, but I mean, what is what is it your you know your main gripe? Obviously, they blocked you on Facebook, which I are on Twitter, which I think was not a great move. Uh, I know the people that run the Twitter; they're great people. They're good people. Uh, and uh, and I was a little upset about it. I'm always upset when they block people that I that I like. But uh, what was the the big gripe there? What was happening, man? You mean why do they block me, or what? what I mean, my beef is well, with yeah. What approach. was the, what was the motivation? What was the beef? Uh, you know, I don't know why they blocked you. I haven't really talked to them about it much, but um, well, I think they blocked me because I said something. I said like, uh, I said the Mises Caucus is a circle jerk where real libertarians go to dunk on fake libertarians, and that was that was the end of that. That was when they blocked me. But my my person, I mean my, I think it's not even just my my beliefs. It's I think. The argument that um, most agorists or anti-political people have made, there's really two arguments that they've made. And these this has been identified by like Rothbard and Roderick Long. So this isn't my stuff. But um, number one, I think it's immoral, right? It's, no one has the right to impose a master on their neighbor. And it doesn't matter uh, how benevolent you think or, or hope that master will be. It's, it's a master nonetheless. And, it's, and that's why it's immoral. And the second argument, which I think is weaker, because if, if you can make a, a moral case against something, it doesn't really matter if it's good at doing something else or not, right? But in this case, um, it doesn't matter because it's not pragmatic either. Uh, it's never worked. Um, the best any libertarian candidate ever did was Gary Johnson, and that was with uh, that was against two of the most unpopular candidates in history, and he got three percent of the vote. So, I don't think that it's um, likely to get anything accomplished. Uh, and it, I think it's immoral. And then, of course, the rebuttal that I always get from people is, well, we're not actually trying to affect political change. We're, this is actually an educational thing. We're just trying to educate people on the principles of libertarianism, right, like like Ron Paul did. And I think that that's, um, 
nonsense for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think it's sort of just masquerading the Libertarian Party as an educational institution, which is just wrong because, you know, they're running people for office. They're uh, dedicating time, energy and resources to their campaigns, man hours. They're celebrating even the smallest electoral victory. So I think it's just a lie, frankly, that they're not trying to get elected. That's just not true. But more to the point here, and I think this is something I cover in um, chapter 13, I think it is. Rothbard has a good piece on dismantling the case for educationalism. So Rothbard actually goes through why the LP cannot be an educational institution. And he does that by pointing out how other smaller parties have fared in that endeavor. And I think um, the example he uses is the Socialist Party. And he says something to the effect, I'm just paraphrasing here, but the Socialist Party has ran people for president and vice president for you know decades or centuries, whatever it is. And uh, what effect has that had on the electorate? And he says nothing. And the reason why, according to Rothbard, is because it's such a small minor party that the media portrays them out successfully to be like kooks and lunatics, and the ideology goes down the drain with it. And one of the things I think Rothbard points out that's so uh, prescient is that these political parties, these institutions, they collect just enough revenue to keep themselves going. Right? It's all about like maintaining the... the uh, the party it becomes more about the bureaucracy than it does about the ideology. And I, I don't, I'm not, uh, you know, in the in crowd with the Mises caucus or anything like that by far. So I don't know how far down the road they are, but, but I'd imagine that that will become an issue sooner rather than later. So that's just sort of a long winded. Well, I can, I can tell you, I mean, 100% with the, with the, with the, the LP, the actual libertarian party, that has been the case for decades. I mean, that's absolutely the case. Yeah. It's they're running on $1.7 million a year as a national political party. Uh, and it's all about how can they keep the lights on? How can they fix the AC at the headquarters? I mean, it, it is right. constantly. And, and exactly. And my whole point is imagine if we took that 1.7 mil and we put it towards teaching people how to become their own bank, how to decrease reliance on fiat currency, or we took a one and a half million dollars and taught people how to print their own guns, right? If we right. Taught, take a one and a half million dollars to teach people in Australia how to print guns, maybe the news would be a little bit um, less draconian today. True. That's that, that's my point. There's, the, the you know, one of the things people say to me is, why not both? And my answer is like, well, what about our current state of affairs suggests that we have the luxury of expending resources on ends that have proven to be unproductive, right? Shouldn't we be focusing our energies where they're most um, most effective? And I think, in my opinion, that that's counter-economics. Sure. Yeah, and like I said, I agree with the principles of uh, counter-economics. I actually had this this debate with uh, Larkin Rose, like a two-and-a-half-hour... Uh, two oh, man. Was it two hours or two-and-a-half-hour debate during Anarchopolco that, you know, where they did some of the, the stuff online, and so... Uh, well, him- he's... Um, He's a lot smarter than I am, so if he can't convince you, then I probably can't. He's either. a very, very smart guy, man, and I'm a fan of both of you guys. And and, and you know, to 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 ninety five percent extent of of what both of you guys are saying, I agree. You know what I mean? Like I do. I one hundred percent, not one hundred percent, but like ninety five percent. I agree that uh, you know we should be doing these things. Now, for me uh, personally, the reason why I got involved in politics initially was Ron Paul. Obviously I, uh, I worked on Ron Paul's campaign in 2008. Um, prior to that, I was just a run of the mill neocon who joined the military and went and saw war and realized that that shit wasn't for me. Uh, and that the two old parties didn't give a shit about, 
uh, stopping ending the wars and that we were, you know, we had no good bu- business being over there. So I'm always an, a- an anti-war activist first. Um, that's that's kind of always been my thing. Um, and, and Ron Paul resonated with me. And he woke me up. I mean, he really did. He woke me up to the dangers of central planning. He woke me up to, to you know, the, the Federal Reserve, especially uh, the, the uh, militarism and, and, and uh, the empire. I mean, he really, you know, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have found Rothbard. I wouldn't have, I, I wouldn't have found F.A. Hayek and then Rothbard and Milton Friedman and then, you know, uh, uh, Konkin and, and all these great uh, philosophers who really uh, shaped my worldview into what it is now. Um, and so for me, you know, he did use his vehicle uh, as, a, as an educational tool, and I think it worked for a lot of us. Um, now, can the Libertarian Party ever be something as miraculous as Ron Paul? It's yet to be seen, but it's also been ran by absolute hacks and, and losers for, you know, uh, fucking at least the last 20 years almost, you know. I think the most radical candidate they've had in well over a decade was Ma- Michael Badnarik in 2004, and uh, he was so radical that the guy wouldn't get a driver's license, you know what I mean? He had someone driving him around all of his campaign stops, and, and uh, you know, it was a little harder. It's hard to run a, a presidential candidate like that, you know what I mean, because they can paint you as you said, as a kook, as a crazy person, uh, this, this sovereign citizen won't even get a driver's license. How's he going to run the country? You know? Um, and, and that's, it is hard. Uh, but I do to some extent see something like the Mises caucus trying to take the libertarian party and make it a, um, like a, an educational outlet or, or more, more along the lines of like a, like a think tank, like, like the Mises Institute. Right. So and I had this conversation with Tom Woods. I was on Tom's show and uh, when I was first running for chair, and Tom said, you know, here's the deal. If the Libertarian, and this stuck with me forever. I've said it on the show several times, but if, if, if the Libertarian Party is going to carry that name, Libertarian, right? And we know that the vast majority of this country, the vast majority, when they hear the word Libertarian, they don't think about the Mises Institute. They don't think about Fee. They don't think about Konkin and Rothbard and, and Mises and, and F.A. Hayek and Milton Friedman. They don't even think about Cato for crying out loud. They think about the Libertarian Party. And so if we're going to have you know, people thinking that the Libertarian Party is what libertarianism stands, stands for, libertarianism stands for, then we damn well better have some people running it that exude libertarian philosophy at the very least. You know, we've had people like Nicholas Sarwark running the party for uh, ha- over half a decade who, you know, by all measures is a, is a blue-pilled woke progressive. You yeah. know? And, and so we have, the, we have these people out here, uh, you know, thinking that that's what libertarianism is. Nick Sarwark libertarianism is libertarianism. When in, in actuality, he's a Democrat that doesn't want to join the Democratic Party, right? So, I mean, do you do you see any benefit whatsoever to because the party's not going to go away, right? It's unfortunate it's not going to go away. If we could abolish it and then just all collectively fight the state together, I know that's a bad word, collective. I'm not a big fan of it, but if we could all fight the state, you know, in other ways together, then so be it. You know, I like I I like uh, Tho Bishop's ideas. I think he's great, even though he wants to, you know, get into the Republican Party and take over and change that and. Um, I, I I think there's other ways. There's there's other tools in the toolbox, right? Um, but do you see any any uh, benefit to if the party's going to exist at least at the very least having it run by people who do exude libertarian philosophy and uh, and and shout it from the rooftops to the people who are watching? 
Yeah, absolutely, of course. But I think that the fact that it hasn't been is proof um, is proof that it's it's difficult to make politics work. Um, but to your original point, though, about Ron Paul, I think I think it's important to understand that <clears throat> Ron Paul created libertarians. He didn't create liberty. Right? There's a big, big difference there. And I think that that's a completely noble cause creating libertarians. That's, you know, definitely a, a good use of people's time. I'm more concerned with creating liberty. I think that we're at the point now where um, I'm not really interested if my neighbor understands property rights. I just want to make sure that my property is, is, is respected. Um, also, you know, Per Bilan has spoken about the savior complex, this idea that we have to it's sort of this contradictory belief that individualists have that they have to sort of save the collective whole of society or something like that. So I, I reject that on those grounds. I think he makes a lot of, a lot of sense there. And that's also in a book, but um, I think to your last point, you know, you, you brought up Tho Bishop and the paleo approach. I actually think that there is more, there's a, a better argument to be made for the paleo approach because of Ron Paul, right? Because Ron Paul actually did create libertarians at the very least. True. Whereas the Libertarian Party, I'd argue, hasn't even really done that ever. So, um, you know, I think the paleos still have the moral claim that they have to overcome. Um, but, uh, you know, the other, the, the real problem here is this. I don't think that you're ever going to get one one person. There will never be any presidential candidate of any party who represents or can represent hundreds of millions of people, right? It's absurd to think that that could sure. possibly be the case. Gary Johnson was um, like a bake the cake kind of guy. That's not my version of libertarianism. Um, so he doesn't represent me in that regard. And I don't think he represents a lot of other libertarians in that regard. Dave Smith th doesn't believe in, um, you know, open borders. That doesn't represent um, a lot of libertarian beliefs. So I think it's difficult to find one person that's can, that can represent all of these people. And that's one of the inherent difficulties with the political approach. Whereas in agorism, you do you, right? So, right. you know, if you, if you, you know, your thing is like Bitcoin or something, then you can concentrate on that. Or if you, you know, if it's guns and you can concentrate on that. So it's like, it's very like tailored to the individual, whereas politics is much more about the collective whole. Sure. Yeah, no, and I, I don't disagree with you. I think it's, you know, obviously uh, there's a, to me, I think there's a principled claim to being able to vote in self-defense, right? I, I do, I do kind of ascribe to the uh, uh, subscribe to the the Spooner theory about about voting, and you know, as long as I'm not voting to impose uh, more measures on people and re and reduce the state in my life, then uh, I feel like I'm doing it in self-defense, and uh, I'm using just another tool in the toolbox, right? And I, t I I think after my debate with Larkin, they started calling me Joshua Toolbox Smith because I talk about the toolbox all the time. But it's true. I mean, there's 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 more than just politics to to change, uh, you know, the, the your community, especially especially your community, um, and that was one of the things that drew me to the, to the Libertarian Party Mises Caucus was the fact that they wanted to focus locally if they were going to focus on politics, and they they have they've only supported local candidates, um, local initiative or li initiatives like uh you know uh, uh, coalition based initiatives like um, the decrim Denver thing that they did in in uh, in in uh, 
Denver, Colorado, uh, and they they were a big push for that. They started working on uh, gun legislation in uh, Texas. They were uh, working on pushing uh, the defend the guards stuff. So I mean, you know, they have they have noble causes, and they're also doing things that I agree with when it comes to politics. Now, I know that the Libertarian Party has to run a presidential candidate to keep ballot access. Right? We're talking about the bureaucracy that you talked about in the beginning. Without a presidential candidate, the Libertarian Party loses ballot access in like 30-something states, right? And so when people are like, oh, why do you guys even need to run a, li- a Libertarian presidential candidate? That's your answer. I mean, without them, there would be no ballot access. Then you can't even have an L on the ballot. Then you just go right back to only having the Republicans and Democrats. But, I mean, so let's let's talk a little bit about agorism. So, And, and I said it right that time. Uh, I always say agorism, and people are like, it's agorism. Potato, potato. Yeah, it's, it's Mises, Mises. Everybody gets that wrong. Yeah, too. right. Um, but uh, I mean, what, what are some of your, you know, what are some of your goals? I mean, what do you, what do you want to see people start doing to to roll back this? I mean, frankly, out of control, insane state apparatus that we're dealing with now. I think the most important thing they could do is to become their own bank and to use cryptocurrency rather than fiat currency, because the way I see it, like the sort of the beating heart of the state is the Federal Reserve. So if we can deny them deny these parasites the ability to manipulate the printing press and inflate the currency at will, then all of a sudden, I think that the welfare, warfare state and a lot of the domestic surveillance slash police state, all it all becomes unaffordable at that point. So, um, you know, the only way to do that is to become your own bank. <clears throat> and this is a, a pretty good example of our conversation that we just had because Ron Paul had that great bill to art the Fed. What was it, like HR 24 or 11 24, something like that? I forget, but um, it died in the Senate. It sure. died in the Senate after Goldman Sachs made a bunch of donations to like all the Democrats. Shocking. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's like, it's like the whole game is sort of rigged. And I think that, um, you know, you have to sort of take the initiative at this point. And that's why I tell people to like, you know, don't just buy cryptocurrency. Use it. Use it for use it as your primary medium of medium of exchange, because that's how we win. Um, other than that, I tell people to print your own guns um, and to become your own bank. Because if you print your own guns, it doesn't matter when they come to confiscate them, which is a matter of time, in my opinion. Um, you know, you don't want to die during gun confiscation, so let them take your guns, and then you can just print, uh, you know, ten more before they they leave your neighborhood. And you want to grow your own food because, you know, one of the state's tricks historically has been to starve out, you know, disruptive populations. They also manipulate the food supply. And I think that um, becoming less dependent on them any way you can is a good thing. So those are my three tips. I tell people, be your own bank, print your own guns and grow your own food. Yeah, I don't think people understand. I think that that's something that actually and no one's ever talked about on my show that the food supply is so important because Every despotic nation in this country has always starved out the people that didn't want to follow their rule. Always. Yeah, and we even saw with um, the whole scandemic where they shut down grocery stores in New Mexico. Right. And it's like, I would, I would get these, like, libertarians and end cap types who would, you know, DM me like, oh, what do you think you're going to fight the government by growing potatoes and stuff like that? It's like, well, you know, you know, if you're in New Mexico, then it certainly has come in handy at that point. But um, – there's a lot of reasons why growing your own food is, is a great idea. You want to disintermediate agricultural regulations, and it's sort of it also denies the state tax revenue, which is you know huge. But um, Carl Hess has a great book on this community technology, where he successfully like set up this like 
large-scale aquaponics food growing system in a very like urban sort of neighborhood. So if he can make it work in like Washington DC, sure. then any of us can make it work anywhere. You might be the first person that's brought up Carl Hess on my show. So Oh, nice. Yeah, that's nice. A, a nice little notch on my belt to have. Yeah, I don't think people like he he slept on a lot, Carl Hess, man. He did a he did a lot. He did a lot. That's why I, I really tried to like I really tried to draw him out in, in this book. I, I I think there's like two or three selections from Carl Hess in there, and th- there's that's not a mistake. Yeah, of because course. you're right. He doesn't get enough play. Not at all, man. And he's he's great. You know, we we talk about uh, a lot of great anarchist thinkers and libertarians, and he's just one of the ones that doesn't get mentioned enough. He was really great, and and by all means, I mean he was he was pretty left. I mean, oh, for sure, you know. for sure. Rothbard and Walter actually I had Walter Block on my show, who told me that like he's like, yeah, me and me and uh, Murray were were not very big fans of Carl because he was a little bit to the left of us, sure. which you can totally sense. You know, when you when you read Community Technology, you totally get the idea. He's a little bit, it's about as far left as all go as Carl has. Well, and it's it's funny because uh, you know prior to the right wing populism movement that that Murray was a big part of. Uh, Murray was trying to reach the left, and one of those people that he worked with was Carl Hess. I mean, that's oh, for sure. Well, yeah. what was that? What was the name of the book he wrote in the '60s? Never a dull moment, yeah. which was like that's like that that that's a left anarchist text right there, and that's Rothbard. So I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, he really he, he, he really did. To, he was trying to unite the left and the right, and that was his sort of strategy. And then you know, like you said, towards the end of his life. I think under the influence of Hop, he sort of moved towards a more populist approach. Sure. Well, and it's funny because Hoppe came from the left too, like big time from the left, dude. He was he was further left than than Murray ever was prior to that. Uh, you know, uh, Block too. A lot of these guys. Walter Block was like a communist. Oh, did I? Who, did like, you, I have I don't know if you've heard me talk about it on the show, but I, I interviewed Walter Block several years ago for a, a channel I did when I was part of Think Liberty, and uh, he told me a story about how he he actually ran track and and went to college with Murray yes. Rock, or with uh, with uh, Bernard Sanders. Are you sick to death of pussyfooting around the truth while being constantly fed lies by news and big tech tyrants? If so, then come join me, Dan Smots, on The System Is Down, where we get weird, have fun, and dig into all the dangerous taboo topics like conspiracies, politics, religion, culture, current events, and everything your family just prays you don't bring up around the Thanksgiving dinner table. And I know that reality is scary to some people, so if you're easily offended, just ignore this and go back to making cat memes or whatever. But if you're ready to change the world for the better, come join me on The System Is Down. Down at tsidpod.com or wherever you get podcasts. That's tsidpod.com because the system is down and truth is taking over. Bernie Sanders, yeah, and they and they went to this luncheon because there was some famous uh, uh, you know economist or person coming to talk, and uh, it was actually Ayn Rand, and he he went up to Ayn Rand to try and debate Ayn Rand at this luncheon, and some guys like no no no. Wait one second here. Take this book. Go read this book. Then come back and have this conversation with Ayn. And he gave him uh, uh, Henry Has. I think it was Henry Hazlitt's uh, Economics in One Lesson, or maybe it was something prior to that. I don't remember what it was. I guess it was a long time ago. But uh, he told me the story that that's one of the ways he became who he is today, and why he's not a communist anymore. But he said he he was a straight up pinko commie, is what he says. I mean, and if, you know, anybody who's from New York, you know, you just take a stroll through Brooklyn, man. There, there's no shortage of communist Brooklyn Jews. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. And they're it's, all waiting to move bad. to Florida, man. I know how it goes. 
Which is ironic because they were all just, you know, rounded up by the NYPD for the last six months. So Dude, that shit was crazy. I, I couldn't remember. I could not believe de Blasio. de Blasio came out and literally said, we're going to round up the Jews. Like literally said this on social media. Well, they did. And they did it. And they did it. And they were knocking down synagogues. And, he'll, and they, they love him, too, which is, you know, why I had to escape. Yeah. Did you get out? You got the hell out of New York? Oh, I'm in Florida now. Yeah, I got out. I smart, to dude. Smart. Yeah. Smart. Like all yeah, smart New Yorkers. Anymore. You got to hang out with Top Lobster. He's moving down there soon, too. No shit. Yeah. yeah. Once I saw, like, the tanks on the street and stuff like that, that was enough for me. Yeah. And you can't even, like, go to, like, bars and restaurants anymore because it's all – they just ruined everything. So Yeah, I, I'm an expat from California, man, so I get it. I left – I left five. You know yeah, I left five minutes before they instituted the 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 twenty four hour lockdowns in California back in March of last year, dude. Um, oh my god! Yeah, I hopped on a plane. I, I lived right outside of San Francisco, dude. And it was getting it was getting bad fast. I mean, I came oh, home it's zero. Oh yeah, I like flew home from from one of my conventions that I was at. I think it was Illinois or something. And uh, they were like, "Oh, they're talking about closing down all the bars and restaurants tonight." And I was like, "What the fuck? See ya. Yeah, I'm out of here, dude. They're gonna close. What's the the whole point of being in California is the bars. I'm out of here, dude." And so, uh, no, so I I, uh, I hopped on a plane. My my flight left SFO at 11:55 p.m. Uh, to come to Iowa, and at midnight they instituted the 24-hour lockdown. That's like how soon it was coming, and and uh, I think they were the first state to do it. And then I flew to Iowa. I was only going to stay here for two weeks to flatten the curve, and then I was going to go back home. And uh, here I am, almost two years later. I never left, dude. <laughs> smart man, yeah. smart. It's great. Where are you at now? I'm in Iowa. Okay. Yeah. So if you can, you're in the middle. Yeah. If you can brave the cold, dude, it's a great place. It's cheap. It's like way cheaper than Florida, but there's no beaches here, and the winter sucks. Yeah, like yeah, <laughs> it's brutal, dude. Brutal, like like negative thirty with the wind chill. Oof. Yeah, no, I can't. I don't think I could do it. No, um, that's why I'm not a free state guy. I don't think I could do it. It's brutal, dude. Like I can't. I, I, it's coming again. Like it starts. It, the winter here starts like like the beginning of October. Dude, my beach season is just beginning. I'm waiting for the tourists <laughs> to go home so that I can like get to the beach. <laughs> no shit, dude. That's great. What, what part of Florida did you go to? South I'm Florida? in St. Pete. Oh, I'm in St. Pete. Nice. Oh, yeah. That's Beautiful. great, man. Yeah I, yeah, I I thought about it. I threw around the idea, and and uh, I'll still retire in Florida. There's no doubt about that, man. That's where I want to be. But for now, we're pretty safe-ish in Iowa, at least. You know, there's we they've been pretty good here. They never really shut anything down. Uh, they did do, like, carry-out food only for a while, for, like, a couple weeks and then they stopped that and um they've never really had a mass mandate here and it's pretty it's pretty cool man yeah yeah i mean i mean i didn't follow those rules when i was back up north anyway but um <laughs> it's definitely nice to know that i don't have to be chased around or like i would get like the police called on me at the grocery store and stuff like that so at least i don't have to deal with any of that bullshit anymore yeah so i mean uh you know as as a, a agorist i mean what do you what do you think I mean, obviously, mass noncompliance. I'm a big, I'm a big supporter of mass noncompliance. I've been pushing it. I put out video about it. Uh, I try to get everybody I can to non not comply. Even my own kids at at school here when they brought the mask back to school. Um, I mean, what what can what can we do, man? As 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 uh, people who are not involved in politics, what should we be doing? You mean like in regards to uh, COVID? Yeah, I mean the, this this <clears throat> mass tyranny and delusional bullshit that everyone's dealing with. well i think um one of the one of the biggest things is to like you said non-compliance but do it in a way that like you're like in an entrepreneurial way so there was um a bar in new york that uh it was like sort of like it's like a speakeasy almost that like really never shut down 
and you could just you could go there throughout the whole scamdemic they were open and um they were always packed and i i can't imagine that um any of that the owner the bar owners competitors who were aware of this weren't like jealous and didn't have that same thought in their head that hey maybe i should open up too so whatever uh they're restricting i would try to offer it in a way that um you know sort of gets around the regulations and uh it doesn't even have to be a coronavirus nowadays there's so much that they're rolling out every day there's more rules and regulations that there's like an abundance of counter economic opportunities at this point one of the things i was just talking about the other day is that i don't know if you saw they're trying to um they have this like uh, $600 reporting requirement for any trans, any cash transaction. Yeah, or something I saw like that. that. What the fuck is that? I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to see like how the final version of it is written into the legislation just so I can figure out how we're going to get around it <laughs> more easily. But one thing like I, I tell people is that, you know, the purpose of Bitcoin is to facilitate peer-to-peer transactions between two people who aren't face-to-face without the need for a third-party intermediary like a bank or Visa or PayPal or something like that. So really, it's as simple as figuring out what transactions over $600 people don't want a record of and then just offer that good or service in exchange for cryptocurrency. And the first thing that comes to mind, of course, is firearms. True. Um so, you know, if they let's say that they say, oh, all individuals have to report any expense over $600. Uh, now, all of a sudden, you open up a gun store that, you know, you accept cryptocurrency and it becomes much more difficult for the government to catch these people if they don't report it. Now, if it goes the other way and they make the business owner report everything, then it's a different story. So, like I said, I'm sort of waiting to see how they roll that out. But that's just one example of how you can use, like, the collapse to your benefit. But um, I really believe in just, you know, like you said originally, noncompliance. Just don't listen to them. Just, you know, I haven't I've never worn the muzzle. Um, I obviously am not getting I'm not gonna let them shoot me up or anything like that. Don't close your business down. Um, again, it's all risk, though. You know, like you don't want to rack up ten thousand dollar fines every day. Try to do it in a more like underhanded fashion. Try to, you know, be the gray man and blend into the background. Sure. Yeah, I got really lucky that my my company put out an email. Uh, You know, they obviously have more than 100 employees uh, nationwide, and uh, they put out an email and said, hey, this new uh, advisory mandate or whatever they called it came out from Biden, and uh, we're just going to wait a while to see what happens. And I was like, thank God, you know, because a lot of these other uh, companies that do, that that work in the same uh, industry as I do, like Microsoft and and Facebook and shit like that, that have these big data right. centers, they immediately mandated them immediately. Right. Well, that's that's um, that's you know one of the ways that agorism addresses this, and this is like unique if you think about the different different strategies to approach the state from like the LP, the paleo approach, and the agorist approach. The agorist approach is unique in the sense that. We tell people to become entrepreneurs. And if you if you work for yourself, then you, there's no one to impose a vaccine mandate on you. Whereas I think, like, there's nothing that the LP could do right now to stop this. There's nothing that the RNC could do to stop it, right? So, um, you know, I think the only faction of the libertarian movement that does have a, a viable strategy to fight these this, these COVID restrictions would be the, the, the agorists. Sure. I, I think it's... Uh... I think some of the non-compliance we're seeing recently has been really beautiful. 5,000 nurses and doctors so far fired in New York uh, today. 
Yeah, I know, which, you know, really draws the question how severe the pan the scandemic actually is. Yeah, I mean, you know, if there's a, if there's really a bad pandemic, are you going to fire the people that just worked through right. the pandemic for 18 months without a vaccine uh, to, right. to, to save people's lives? And now you're going to fire them because they won't get a vaccine? Like, what? For a, for a vaccine well, that's going to give you, what, like a .001 better chance of surviving? Like... Right, exactly. I know. That's the, that's the whole thing. And that, that's how you know it's a scam, too. But um, the dictator who replaced Emperor Cuomo, she actually fired all the healthcare workers and then replaced them with, you know, um, troops. So now you actually have, like, troops in hospitals and stuff like that. Well, is, that Which, is that shocking you know, you, at all? Because it's going to be a lot easier to deploy a mandatory vaccine when you have soldiers doing it. Of course, exactly. That's the whole point. And, you know, we were all called conspiracy theory theorists four or five years ago for saying that this day would come, but you know, now it's here. Also North Carolina, they just fired a whole bunch of nurses. Um, The Massachusetts state police has like a big problem because none of the police want to take, um, take the shot. So I don't know. I think it's, it's really getting interesting. And I, um, I'm sort of sort of enjoying the whole collapse of the state. Oh, it's I guess, beautiful. As like an outside observer, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's like really really beautiful to watch uh, in real time. The people that are opting to tell them to go fuck themselves. I mean, that's really what's happening. And uh, you know, I, I was I was very very skeptical that this would happen. Right, I knew I knew the state would do all this shit. I knew the state would push this shit when all the when all the dumb like blue pilled wannabe libertarian progressives uh, were talking about it. It's a private business, bro. They can mandate it if they want, bro. Just please trust me, bro. I was like, listen, it's not going to be the businesses mandating. It's going to be the state telling the businesses that they have to mandate it. You know what I mean? Like I always knew that was going to happen for for months and months and months. But now to see people telling the state that they're not going to comply, it really is beautiful, man. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, like I said, I'm really enjoying it. I think, um, Pete Canonas was really on the money on that one because he sort of um, took took the ball. And a lot of people were like, oh, you know, it's just – I think like Stephen Kinsella was like, oh, it's just a – you know, they can do whatever they want or something like that. But in my mind, I think the point that – I don't know, I guess Pete was trying to make is that when you're referring to the corporate wing of a fascist regime, the whole private business argument doesn't fly anymore. Right. right at that point, they're sort of they sort of become merged with the state. So it's not it's not a private business at that point. The airlines aren't private. The banks aren't private. Um, pharmaceutical industry is in private. We have very few private industries left in this country. Well, it's so funny to me. You know, all these people are like, "Listen, the media told me this. The media told me that." You realize that big pharma literally gives billions of dollars to the media companies every year, every year. Like, uh, not not billion yeah. every, but they've given billions of dollars. Uh, over years, oh, well, and, so, and not not to mention the CIA's manipulation of the media, right? And the, you know the FBI, but you know then you're a conspiracy theorist if you point out the the you know the earmarks in the, the Defense Department's budget for like media relations and stuff like that, right, or right. how they try to like create memes and stuff like that, and how all their memes are shit. But yeah, there's people shit. don't like they, Tor- terrible memes. Yeah, you're like a conspiracy theorist just for bringing that, that stuff up, though. Uh, uh, level level zero. Thanks for the five dollars super chat, man. He says, "How quickly do you see the economic collapse coming? The accelerationists don't have to do anything. The government is handling things themselves." How, well, how, how, I mean, honestly, like, so I was on Clint uh, Liberty Lockdowns podcast. Uh, I want to say it was almost a year ago, probably last last winter sometime. He had me on. I didn't really know much about him. He didn't know about me, but he asked me a question. You know, how soon do you think the violence is going to start? 
And I said, it's coming, dude. I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be quick. And we're already seeing it in Australia. You know, the, the, these, these people are showing a penchant for fist fighting the cops. Like, I'll trade everyone in California for these people right now. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but, but I mean, I mean, honestly, the economic collapse, we all know it's coming. Uh, we're, the, they just put out a, a thing. Uh, who was it? The New York Times or some, one, of the, one of the big, uh, big corporate medias. Yeah, they, they put it out today that the government is going to run out of money uh, by the end of September. These are these are the, the simps for the state. I mean, are saying this shit. Now. I know, I know, I know. Well, the New York Slimes has been apologizing for these lunatics for a long, long time now. Sure. But yeah, I mean, that's just hilarious that they're going to actually run out of money. They're just going to print a whole bunch more, right? Of, of course. That's what I mean. That's what yeah. they do, right? They'll just they'll keep printing it, and then they have the they have the left so fucking brainwashed that they're like, no, they can just print it away. It's like that's. Literally not how the economic theory works, like economic policy works. Like they can't, someone's going to have to pay for it. That's how we got into this mess in the first place. Ugh. And, you know, to, that's just to, to answer that, that question, like that sort of goes back to the whole thing, like business cycle theory. Like economics tells us what's going to happen, but it doesn't tell us when those things are going to happen. Otherwise, we would all be super wealthy investors, right? But we do know that's going to happen. So you might want to, it might be a good idea to... Park your money in non-inflationary assets like cryptocurrency and precious metals and real estate and stuff like that. That's where I think, uh, at least residential real estate, um, that's where I think the smart money's at. That's where I, that's, I, I think, you know, you don't, it's almost like musical chairs. You don't know when the music is going to stop, but you better have a chair when it does. Yeah, no shit. Uh, so so you, talk, you bring up precious metals a little bit. There's always seems to be this argument in... in uh, you know, especially in like liberty circles, precious metals versus crypto, right? Like I'm, I'm a big fan of both. I think you should hoard as much of both as you possibly can. Um, but I mean, what, what do you think is more important at this point? Especially when we know oh, they can man. turn the internet off on us. At you any know, time libertarians will will debate absolutely anything, yeah. which is a good thing, I guess. You know what I mean? And not only do they debate like, is it gold or is it precious metals versus cryptocurrency? But it's like you can even niche down further, like which crypto or which precious metal. And like to my mind, it's just like have have a diverse uh, portfolio of both. I I personally I like cryptocurrency better because it's not confiscable like gold is. Like we've seen what the state would will do to gold because they've done it. They've you know made it illegal and stuff like that. Whereas cryptocurrency, it's much it's much more difficult for them to do something like that. Right. But I, I personally I have both. I think everybody should have both. I don't think I think. The real argument for holding for having precious metal at this point is the volatility of crypto makes it impractical as a tool for savings. It's a great investment, you know, but I don't think it's a good savings tool right now. It's too volatile. It's like the swings up and down are too, too heavy. So I, you know, rather than the key to becoming your own bank, you know, part of what a bank does is it offers you a savings account. So replace that savings account with gold and silver or platinum or palladium or rhodium, whatever. And then if you of course need a checking account and for that, you know, I suggest you use cryptocurrency and that's, you know, that's the way I break it down. Sure. Sure. And I, I don't disagree with you. I'm a big crypto, uh, Stan as well, especially Bitcoin. I think, you know, for a long time I played, the, I played all the altcoins. I, I, I really did uh, for a long time. And, uh, I talked about them a lot and, and so, you know, I made some money off them here and there and, uh, but I always got wrecked every time I tried to play most any really? any of the altcoins. I got wrecked every time, dude. I did all right. I did pretty well for on the on the altcoin boom back in the day. Yeah, I I did okay. Like I followed TRX and XVG up up and then pulled out and and made some money there. But 
I mean, ever, okay. ever since then, I, I just always got wrecked. And so, uh, you know, Bitcoin just steadily keeps going up, man. <laughs> like, you know, it takes yeah. its fall back and then it goes back up again. So uh, I have I have my concerns with Bitcoin that the maximalists don't really appreciate. Sure. Um, well, they know, don't appreciate I, I, you even mentioning anything other than Bitcoin. No, I know. Oh, my God, they hate it. Yeah. But, you know, my, my whole thing is like I'm sort of agnostic in the sense that I don't really care which which commodity outcompetes the federal reserve as long as something does like if we all started using salt tomorrow i'd be happy if we woke up and you know ron paul coin was the global standard i would be a ron paul coin maximalist i don't care what does it um as long as something does it of course i have my own ideas as to what you know commodity has the best chance of doing that but so do we all yeah absolutely and i i talk about you know i i I, I they did a, a write-up about me in, in bitcoin.com a couple of years ago when i was trying to bring I was trying to bring crypto into the political world. Basically, that's what I was trying to do. I was I was trying to merge the the the, the crypto community and and the Libertarian Party, obviously, but just politics in general and uh, getting more. You know, it's 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 funny because there's so many young, like rich people now that are rich off big off Bitcoin and other other various crypto uh, coins. But most of those people, a, a large portion of them, are not just. They're not just there to get rich. Obviously, they're gonna they're gonna be wealthy, uh, but they're there because they believe that that um, exactly that crypto is gonna become the standard for for uh, store value. I mean, really. Well, to um, so a few things. So, like, yeah, you're absolutely right. It was the it was the ideologues who um, first realized this, and I I sort of got lucky in all this because you know going back to how we started the show, like I found Ron Paul, and then I was immediately like well who are his disguised advisors and i looked up peter schiff and walter block oh yeah and you know ironically peter schiff taught me you know inflation and stuff like that so that's why i actually got into bitcoin um back in the day but like i'm not um i'm not necessarily sold on the whole store of value narrative but you know that's a whole nother we can get into that if you want, but that's a whole nother show. That's a sure. whole nother. Uh, we'll, we'll do another show, Sal. No problem. Conversation, man. and we could talk yeah. about it in the in the members only chat too. We we got about sure. ten more minutes here or so, but uh, yeah, um, that's hilarious, Peter Schiff. So I'm a I'm a big Peter Schiff fan as well. Uh, but man, it really burns me up when he talks shit about Bitcoin, dude. Yeah, I know. You know what? It's, dude. I don't, and I'm not a fan of Saifedean Amus either. But if you look, watch yeah. his debate with Saifedean, he says like. Like value is objective. It's not subjective. And I think he just he's stumbling over some key points there that I think like he might have like forgotten or got lost or got clouded because he's stuck in the investment world. Sure. And that's why I sort of like I try to stick to like the like like the professors, like the Walter Blocks and the Per Bylands and like that's the those are that's that's where I go for my economic knowledge at this point. Yeah, you I, had know? Per, I had Per Bylan on the show, man. He is amazing. Amazing. Brilliant. The smartest guy in the movement at this point right now. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. He he is another one that I think has slept on way too much. Like people need to go oh, man. follow per on everything. Everything, yeah. He's got a great article out on Entrepreneur magazine. He is one of the most OG agorists in in the game. He I've got like two or three of his essays in here that I published at full length. It's the only ones I published at full length that are in there because he's just that brilliant. And he's got a new book coming out soon too. I can't wait for that. Show. His he. Yeah. For, oh, yeah. Right. Right. His um, 
I think like he's gonna be one of the thinkers that in like in hundreds of years I look back on and like he's gonna be one of the defining thinkers of this time. I think a lot of his ideas will come to be accepted like later on. Sure. Well, especially I mean his his uh his talks and and, and ideas about the entrepreneurial spirit is just unmatched in my opinion. For sure, for sure, absolutely. And also like um his stuff on counter economics, the way he like breaks it down is just brilliant. Um very easy to understand all sorts for people of stuff. Too. Yeah, yeah. He's got all sorts of, you know, and also like you said, the entrepreneurship stuff is just, it's all brilliant stuff. Yeah, he's got, I think his new book is coming out as like a primer. Uh, I think it's some kind of primer book for like anarcho-capitalism or something. He said he was breaking it. He was going to break it down as, as easily as possible for people to understand. And I was like. And he's actually speaking here in St. Pete at the Mises Institute events, like at the end of October or something like that. And he's giving a speech. I I think he told me it's like he, it's like about agorism. Oh, so that's going to be really, really cool. Yeah. I wonder if I, I keep wondering if he's going to be at Tom Woods' 2000th episode, which is in a couple weeks and in Orlando. So, uh, and I'll be there. I'm so I'm excited. Oh, that's coming up quick too. Hey, mail buy you a drink there. Oh yeah, yeah. if you're going to be there, I'll, you know I, I I'm yeah. I'm stoked for all the people I know are going to be there. Top Lobster, you. I mean, there's going to be. I've never met Top Lobster, and he's like my partner on the show, so it's going to be awesome. Uh, I'm I'm very excited. I'll actually be there for Disney World. I'm taking the kids to Disney World. Nice. Yeah, so we'll be there. Uh, I think from the 11th through the 18th. But I figured since it's the 16th, I get some tickets. It's at eight, eight o'clock at night. You know what I mean? I can just take off from the hotel and go over there and then go back. So. Uh, I don't. I don't think. Um, I think you have to be muzzled to get in there. I'm not sure. I don't I, know. So that's the hotel that we had the the uh, Libertarian Party National Convention at uh, last year, at the height of the pandemic in July, and uh, and they they wanted you to have the mask, but as soon as you walked through the door, they didn't care anymore. So oh, no, no, I meant like um, I meant like Disneyland. Oh, Disney World. Yeah, they're requiring masks. So Disney I, World. I bought all these mesh masks for us. Like completely breathable and see-through and uh we're we're just gonna wear those and and they so they only require them indoors right now thankfully so we don't have to like walk around outside with them on which is you know i at this point it's like i don't wear the mask i, th- I think i put the mask on probably five times over the last two almost two years and uh and i've had covid and uh so you know, I'll put it on. I'll put it on occasionally, but only if it's for something that I really want to do and can't do without the mask. You know what I mean? And so, this is one of those things where it's like these kids. You know, we adopted two of these kids, and they've never done anything, and so it's their first chance to really get to go do something. Well worth amazing. the sacrifice. Yeah, I'll put the I'll put the fucking mask on for a couple of days if I have to for these kids. Yeah. That's that's pretty much one of the only things that has gotten me to put it on is the the kids or my job. Yeah, you know that's that's probably the only thing that I would put it on for as well. Yeah. I'm with you on that one. Yeah, it's it's it just it's just crazy, man. Um, Dirty Remnant, thanks for the five dollar super chat, man. He said. Uh, he said, how much of a pandemic is it when you can fire qualified medical personnel, LMFAO, you know it's a scam. Right. Yeah, that's what I've been, I've been saying that shit, man. You, you wouldn't, in a real pandemic, you wouldn't be firing healthcare workers, I promise you. And honestly, it's like, we can go back before that, like when CNN started replaying, you know, those CCP propaganda videos of people just like dropping dead and collapsing in the street, like, Dude, could you, and could at you, that point, you, and it was all bullshit. Yeah, it's like, it's like that never happened. It never happened no, here. Never, never happened. happened there. It's like everybody forgot about it. They don't want to talk about it. Nobody brings it up. It's like what happens to those people that were dropping dead? Where are they? Yeah. right now. Yeah, it's not happening in in the United States. And and I don't know if you saw this today. Uh, just this week, Norway uh, declared COVID uh, uh, no no worse than the flu or colds and removed all their mandates and everything. And uh, 
the same day CDC updates the website to say that Norway is a very dangerous country to travel to right now because their COVID's out of control. I'm like, what a bunch of salty bitches, dude. Unreal. Unreal. Well, you know, if if the CDC says it's not safe to do something, then you know it's safe to do that thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. At this point, I I am almost completely contrarian to anything anybody in authority tells me. Uh, Yeah. uh, I'll listen to Thomas Massey. Like I, I knew that R. Kelly didn't piss on those chicks when the government said otherwise, right? That's how you knew that he's innocent is because like a government court said he's guilty. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess uh, I don't know. I don't know the story behind R. Kelly, and I'm not going to make a statement on that here. I don't know anything about the story, but I would be willing to bet if the government says he did it, then he didn't do it. You just never know with those guys. I know, I know that uh, you know if you if you really dive in. I just did a big deep dive into the Bill Cosby thing. Um, cause I, cause I wanted to check it out for myself. Cause obviously I grew up with the Cosby's I'm, I'm almost 40. It was a big part of my childhood and it always kind of hurt my heart to think of him being this like crazy, like sex deranged, like criminal psychopath. <laughs> and, uh, I looked into it and he, he's exonerated. He's, he's let go because the, the state literally tried to make a, uh, a political case out of it. I mean, that's what they did. Not surprised. I'm, I'm, the only thing surprising about that is that he was actually exonerated. Now, if only somebody would put put, they would pay as much attention to Bill Cosby's case as they do to maybe Ross Ulbricht's case, yes. then maybe we would get a little bit uh, accomplished in the way of justice. Yes, Ross Ulbricht needs to be pardoned, released, uh, apologized to repeatedly. Uh, I did my first, was it my first episode or my third episode? I did a, a, a portion about Ross and I, I really don't, like I already knew a lot about the Ross Ulbricht case and, and Silk Road and stuff like that, but I, I really dove deep into it. I watched like a full documentary. I read all the court documents. I mean, I did it all just so I could do this, you know, t- 20 minute segment on it, but uh, it's crazy, dude. They railroaded the yeah. fuck out of that guy. Well, he was he was an agorist hero, and I think you know the, what bothers me the most is that that federal judge Catherine B. Forrest, who put a nonviolent first time offender gave a, a nonviolent first time offender double life plus forty. This woman gets to continue living her life, and now I think she's retired from being a federal judge, aka domestic terrorist, to working at some swanky New York law firm like with nothing, you know, no problems. Meanwhile, by the way, for all the listeners out there. Um, her she's you can contact her her email and telephone is public information so just do a quick google search for Catherine b forrest yeah yeah absolutely it's uh it's absolutely insane and i hope to have uh lynn his his mom on the show at some point so we can talk more about it because um i don't think there's ever been i mean there's been some really bad political prisoner cases but i don't think anything i mean look look tim lambesis the lead singer of all their um uh all that remains not all that remains uh, uh as i lay dying right like very popular famous metalcore band uh he legitimately petitioned a fake uh hitman to kill his wife and he got out after five years and is now playing in his band and touring again and yeah. uh and and they they lied they trumped up charges about uh ross Ulbricht. Uh, trying to murder for hire somebody. They didn't even charge him with it in court, and he's spending more than his whole life in prison right there now. There are African dictators who've received less time at The Hague. There are serial killers who've received less time than what Ross Ulbricht received. Yeah. And I think, you know, just to close on a supporting point for, for agorism, I think that, like, that's sort of, to me, that's like an indicator of proof that, like, this is what the state's most concerned about, right? They're most concerned about Ross creating a truly free market. 
they're concerned about a medium of exchange threatening their monopoly on exchange media. Right. And I think that's that's a sort of uh, an, an indicator that we are moving in the right direction. And Jamiel Shulman, before he died, told me that he was like very, he felt sort of guilty that, because um, Ross used, you know, the, the Agorist book alongside Knight as his sort of model on creating the Silk Road. And he felt guilty about that. But, you know, I don't know. I, I, I'm at this point, I think the only hope for Ross really is, is um, the political route, which is sort of sad, I think, you know, yeah, yeah it really is sad. to sort of depend on, on a part on a presidential part and, and the people who are running for president are lunatics and psychopaths. So it's, it's unlikely. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree, man. Well, Sal, I'm a big fan of yours, dude. I, I really appreciate you coming yeah. on the show. You know, it's still crazy to me that you're not Max Ray. And, uh, and, and I'll, I'll survive it. I'll get over it someday. But uh, next, I'll grow out the afro next time. Yeah, 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 absolutely. What, what do you got coming up, man? You got anything coming up people can follow and check out? Um, I'm working on some stuff, but nothing that I really want to put out there right now. Um, just to, for like plugs, 3dprintergobird.com. You can, you know, pay with cryptocurrency to avoid accessing KYC payment platforms. Agorathreads.com. And of course, the book is Anti-Politics. That's it, man. I appreciate you having me on. We should do this again. Yeah, absolutely. You could get anti-politics on uh, – it's on Amazon, right? It's on Amazon. I have a handful of copies here that I'm slinging under the table for crypto. So if that's something that you guys are interested, just shoot me a DM or, or an email or something like that. Sell me with a Proton Mail and I'll get back to you. Yeah, I'll probably – if I'm going to get the book, I'll get it that way. And then uh, maybe I could just get a little hand script from you there. Absolutely. Hell yeah. Cool. Well, hey, thanks a lot, man. If you could just uh wait in the lobby for like a couple minutes, I'll start the members only stream. We'll get we'll get going in there on Bitcoin. Yeah. All right, thanks, yeah. brother. Cool. All right, guys. Hey man, Sal's really cool. Uh you know, I actually agree with him on a lot more than than probably most people think I would. Uh I I I'm a big fan of anti politics. I really am. As somebody I know it sounds really hypocritical as somebody who works in politics. Uh but I wish, you know, my 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 wish is for people to opt the fuck out of the system and stop using it and, and make it illegitimate. Um, I just don't see enough people doing that, and so that's why I use other tools for now. Uh, but I, my, my, my goal, my dream would be to just t- have people mass non-comply. I mean, really, truly, that's what it should be. Um, but, yeah, go check out Sal. Check out his new book. Uh, get it, get it on, the, on the low with crypto if you can. I'm sure he will appreciate that. Uh, also, check out our sponsors, toplobster.com, the man, the myth, the legend, my good friend and partner on Break the Cycle, uh, where you can get all kinds of great hand-drawn uh, graphic designs, hats, hoodies, backpacks, T-shirts, socks, all kinds of great stuff. Uh, he also has a Patreon now that you can support uh, his work on and get all kinds of cool uh, swag at, including a, a, a hand-drawn self-portrait of yourself, uh, all kinds of great discounts on his website, um, and uh, backgrounds for your phone, and all kinds of great stuff, man. Really, seriously, check him out. Support the man. Uh, he is he is a uh, uh, part of the culture war for us. No doubt about it. The guy has uh, branched out and is doing all kinds of great things. He's reaching all kinds of great minds uh, with his art. So, so support him if you can. It's good work. And, of course, AnthemPlanning.com, executive producers of the show. Uh, there, check them out for all of your emergency and crisis planning needs. See what they can do for your business, home, or personal life today. They're doing a wonderful job that the government has historically sucked at much cheaper and much more efficiently. Seriously, if you own a business, just just hit up anthemplanning.com. It doesn't cost you anything to check out the website. I promise. They're great stuff. Uh, coming up on the show, tomorrow, uh, the amazing, great Eliza Blue will be on the show to talk about uh, victims and survivors of uh, 
Human Trafficking. She's amazing. If you have not checked her out, that's going to be a great show. Thursday, The Conspiracy Couch returns. We might have covered uh, some of the stuff that we're probably going to cover that that night, but I, it's going to be myself, Dave Casey, and Dan Smots, as usual, with our great friend from the Propaganda Report, Monica Perez. Very excited to have her back on the show. It's going to be a lot of fun. And, of course, Mike Harlow from the Walk Away Movement will be here on Friday uh, to talk shit about uh, woke progressives, I'm sure, and uh, and New York as well. But he's, he's awesome, man. I really like this kid. He's uh Really, really great speaker, much better than me, and so I'm excited to have him on. Uh, guys, check out the Patreon or the Subscribe Star if you can. Uh, really, could use your support uh, trying to build up the show. I'm going to start, like I said, doing some man on the street stuff and taking the show on the road and doing some other stuff. So the more support we can get, the better. Uh, and, and of course, you get to support seven really cool kids too, uh, which is always cool. I'm the I am the sole provider for nine people. It's pretty wild, and I do the show five five nights a week for you uh, for free mostly. So if you can support it. I appreciate it. If not, I understand. Money's tight for everybody. I will see you guys tomorrow night uh, for the show with uh, Eliza Blue. Uh, If you guys want to come and check out the members-only stream, please join under any of the YouTube videos now. It'll immediately let you in in all the members-only stuff. There's like 65 members-only streams now. It's pretty good stuff. But I'll see you tomorrow for the show with Eliza Blue. Till then, don't forget to break the cycle. And thanks for all you guys do for the show. To explain the lyrics of my last song may seem to contain a violent call to action in the person of frame, but I just landed in Minecraft. The helicopter part was in reference to GTA 5 and the things you do. So any violence you commit, I am not an excuse because I just landed in Minecraft. A trooper is my friend and he's constantly cold. Accusations of incitement getting totally old. Make your own choices, yeah, you have control Because I just landed in Minecraft Obviously I would never advocate force Unless it's due process and a trial, of course And if you're convicted, we will make you a corpse In Minecraft, just in Minecraft There are nothing I mean, you know it No product is, get the clothes from COVID 